Welcome to The Lowdown, a podcast of news and ideas from the Columbia Alumni Association. If you tried to define television today, odds are that your definition would be very different from what it might have been just 10 years ago. Thanks to streaming services like Netflix and Hulu, more and more people are using their computers as their TVs. And it's not just serial programming that's moved online. Television news outlets have also made the move, producing content specifically for the web. The talk we're going to play for you was presented as part of the Hearst Digital Media Lecture Series at the Columbia Journalism School. In it, CNN's Meredith Artley addresses this digital shift head-on, discussing how the old barriers between digital and traditional journalism are crumbling faster than ever. We're only going to play about half of it, but if you'd like to watch a video of the full talk, you can find it at thelowdown.alumni.columbia.edu. Meredith Artley is the editor-in-chief of CNN Digital, where she oversees the editorial initiatives for CNN.com, CNN Mobile, and the CNN Wire. In the talk, she shares some examples of success and lessons learned at CNN and beyond. All right, so these are some of the things that happen uh, when television and the internet collide. And I want to show you a couple examples. Uh, This guy on the left here, his name is Martin Savage. He's been with CNN for a long, long, long time. He didn't come to CNN to work on digital platforms. He came to be a TV journalist. He's been a correspondent. He's been an anchor. And there was a story about a year ago less than a year ago. It's a little bit of an old example, but it's one of my favorites. There was a plane crash in Kentucky, and everybody died except for a seven-year-old girl. Martin shot this. This is after we started having conversations about digital video and digital platforms and how it can feel a little different than uh, what sometimes I refer to as the Ron Burgundy style that's a traditional style of television journalism, right? He shot this on his iPhone. Let me just let me just play you 20 seconds of this. All right, so I'm inside the woods here, which is where this young seven-year-old sailor would have tried to make her track. Remember, it would have been nighttime, not broad daylight like it is here, but let me just show you some of this. As the music starts to play, captions appear over footage of the wreckage. The captions say, A survivor's path. Sailor Gutzler was the sole survivor when a PA-34 aircraft crashed in western Kentucky. The seven-year-old girl trekked three-quarters of a mile through rough terrain. Okay, there's no trail. There's no sort of deer path. There's not any kind of any indication of a way to go. You just have to carefully pick your way. So this is incredible. This doesn't look or feel like a traditional television package. He shot it on his phone. The digital team uh, back at base overlaid some graphics and some music on it. It's a really powerful example of storytelling. And then this is Alexandra Field. I want to show you this example because Martin's example is a great example of a TV correspondent doing work for digital audiences in the field. Alexandra's example is is a great example of somebody who was hired to be a TV correspondent 
doing an evergreen explainer that we can use again and again on any story that it happens to be, in this case, around the death penalty. The death penalty is one of the most controversial issues in the country, just as controversial the methods of execution. Okay, this one's a little harder to explain for a podcast, but basically, Alexandra's report uses a mix of stock video footage, bold overlaid text, music, and narration to concisely convey the story and make an immediate impact. There are five different legal methods of execution in the U.S. Human rights activists say that each can cause unnecessary suffering, and each method has been called cruel and unusual. One study found that between 1900 and 2011, about 3% of all U.S. executions were botched. So you guys get the overall point there. And it's, those are great examples that have happened in the last year. I have hundreds of these examples. And this is something that's happening at CNN and other news organizations where people who came on to be a journalist, they thought they were going to be working on one particular platform, are now working more and more for digital. And both of these uh, pieces of video have been on CNN air, uh, either in the US and I think also on international. But that's not the point. We do them first thinking about mobile, thinking about desktop, that's why the graphics are on the screen, because a lot of people might be watching it with their sound off. And we have these people who are these amazing storytellers who thought they were getting into television journalism, but surprise, they're digital journalists. And then that goes in the other way. We've got digital people who are on my team properly, who are now doing more and more across platforms. And they thought they came to work for CNN.com. They thought they were coming to work for a desktop site that maybe had a little mobile thing on the side. And now they're doing stories for the entire CNN network worldwide. John Sutter there in his, um, what we call his Miami Vice jacket, is uh, he's working on an incredible project about climate change. It's called Two Degrees. And he goes on CNN International and on domestic, but a lot on international all the time as we lead up to uh, the summit in Paris, uh, which is right around the corner. Um, he'll go there. He'll go with some of the international TV teams. He'll have a TV producer. Uh, he'll be doing work for both digital and air on the ground in Paris, just as he's done in many other spots all over the world. He's a true cross-platform journalist. Same thing with Nia Malika Henderson. We built out our CNN politics team in DC, looking ahead to the crazy election that's already underway. And Nia Malika is incredible. And she, we hired her to do a lot of these great, big enterprise rights for CNN politics on mobile and on desktop. But she's just good and she's smart. And our friends on the TV side were like, you need to be on air a lot more. So she's doing, she's popping up on air all the time. And again, I've got a million other examples of this. This is happening at a really rapid pace where when I started at CNN, this wasn't really a thing. You were either working for TV or you were working for CNN.com. So maybe this whole idea of what is a, you know, are you a TV journalist? Are you a web journalist? Are you a mobile journalist? Are you a social journalist? Eh? Like maybe we're just all modern journalists. And for the students in the room, this gives you one of the most exciting opportunities because you're going to be able to play across a wide array of platforms. And I love thinking about Brian Stelter. He joined CNN from the New York Times. We stole him away. We had a lot of champagne when that happened. 
And, you know, he hosts Reliable Sources. Anyone watch that? Raise your hand. Some of you. So he hosts a very popular media show on CNN on the weekend. So he's an anchor and a host. He's also a correspondent. He pops up to talk about big stories like what happened at the University of Missouri. Uh, he writes a lot of pieces for CNN.com and CNN Money. He's crazy on social. He's got a gazillion followers. So he's just a lot of things. He's an ex-print journalist who uh, is also an anchor, who's also a reporter and correspondent, who writes, who does it all. And he's kind of, I mean, he's kind of crazy. I mean, I don't know how he does it all. He does a lot. Um, but he's one of the extreme examples of how you can do a lot of things across a lot of different platforms. The other thing that happens is the video storytelling gets a stylistic rethink. I kind of hinted at that in my first examples, but let me show you a couple of examples, and I hope I'm not going to offend anyone. There's a little bit of cursing in this next video, but somehow I think it might be okay. This is something that was posted by The Onion a while ago, 2010, um, and you'll, you'll get the joke. <laughs> This was a video from The Onion, satirizing ways in which television news networks can sometimes intensify even the most mundane of stories. The footage that The Onion uses for this story is of a bear cub harmlessly running around a residential area. Now in a desperate attempt to fill 24 hours of programming, here's some bull that happened somewhere today. We've got some footage here of the bull which began just after 3 o'clock this afternoon when residents in this neighborhood were shocked to see this fairly common thing happening. An attractive witness described the event in breathless terms. I went to my window and I was like, whoa, there's some bull happening. That happened right over there. I'm an older man, so you can trust what I say. Okay, so, right? It's, it's funny because it's true. It, you know, it's just, uh, that's... Um, uh, there is a, a form and format, and this happens, by the way, in every single medium. There's a form and format for your typical pyramid-style print story. There's a form and format for your typical breaking news, breathless update. Uh, th there are just things that are kind of these lazy templates that are easy to make fun of, uh, that our industry, um, good people in our industry sometimes fall into. So we're trying to break away from that. And what a great time to be able to do that. Look at the age that we're in. Look at all these new technologies, all these screens, all these devices, all of these tools, all of this talent coming out of schools like this, where you can do some really creative uh, things that look a little bit different. They just don't look like your typical package. This is my last video example. I'll play. 20 seconds of this. The shooting death of Michael Brown by a Ferguson, Missouri police officer on August 9th, 2014, reignited a worldwide debate about race in America. Brown's Look death at that and think about the graphics, the research that went into putting that together. This is not your traditional anchor sitting at a desk getting a little bit of soundbite from somebody standing on a porch or a white man standing in the yard saying he's important. It, it's, it's really interesting, creative storytelling. It's fascinating editing. It's great use of motion graphics. It's great research. It takes a while to put something like this together. But when you put something like this together, you do it not in a kind of breathless breaking news way. You do it with this idea that it can live a long life. It can be something that can be shared in a variety of ways on different social platforms. It can go with what is now a body of work around the Black Lives Movement. Uh, it's really, it's just really fantastic work, and I'm really proud of the teams for doing creative stuff that's not your typical 
templated journalism. The fourth thing that happens, crazy thing that happens when TV and the internet collide, is television, TV, it's just the word itself, becomes kind of an inept term. What does it mean? Is it a box in a living room? Is it a stylistic approach like the farce that we just saw from The Onion? Is it a, is it a product? Is it, is it something you subscribe to? Is it a distribution method? Is it, 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 a lot of times at CNN we talk about linear versus nonlinear. You know, story, TV storytelling goes in a straight line and digital storytelling can go all kinds of different places because the user has more control. So what do we really mean when we say TV? We're really talking about video storytelling and digital storytelling that can play across a variety of screens. And that's where, it's, that's where it is and that's where it's gonna continue to go. And so at CNN, we don't talk about ourselves internally anymore as a TV network. Every now and then someone will say that and we'll say, yeah, we do that, but we're really a cross-platform global news organization, not a TV organization. You can't say that if you're getting 15 million people a day coming to your digital properties. Here's the fifth thing that happens. You start to rethink your organizational structure. Teams go cross-platform, beats go cross-platform. These two guys here that are dressed alike, uh, that's, um, one of them is David Allen, the other one is Kevin Flower. They're both in the blue and the khakis. Uh, they, uh, David, uh, we just hired from the BBC. He used to be at the New York Times, all on the digital side. Kevin has been on the TV side of CNN for a long time. He was the Jerusalem bureau chief once. He's been doing a lot of things uh, around the organization, primarily TV focused. We said, listen, we're gonna take you guys and we're gonna create this amazing team around the topic of health and wellness, working with Sanjay Gupta and Elizabeth Cohen and the whole group. And so now we form this new team. And a year ago, we wouldn't have even thought to have done that. The other thing that happens, and I love this story, this is an example, what I want you, what I want you to look at is the byline there. I love it, it's a lot of names you may or may not know. But in those bylines, you have this fascinating story where we gathered family members of gun violence victims around America. They've formed their own coalition. So the headline is The Loneliest Club. They help each other out, they support each other. Anytime there's a new mass shooting, these people bond together and they get together. People from, uh, who had uh, family members die in Sandy Hook reach out to the people who uh, have family members who were the victims of the latest horrific mass shooting. It's an incredible story. So we assigned, uh, we did a town hall on one of our, our main uh, dayside shows, anchored by Brooke Baldwin. Uh, her producer is on this. We had three digital writers. We commissioned a photographer. And we had people's bylines who aren't on here, designers, planners, people who were thinking about how we program this across all of our platforms. And I point this out not just to brag about the great work that's happening at CNN, which I love to do, but to point out that these are things that just didn't happen a year ago or less. So the shift of people becoming journalists, modern journalists who can work together, collaborate together, is a really powerful thing. And lest any of you think that this is something that, oh my God, I can't, I can't learn how to do all of these things. I mean, not everyone can be Brian Stelter. Um, it's okay. What the, the, big, the big point here is that there are a lot of people who have expertise in different areas. And when you can work together to do something that's good for these social platforms or is a really wonderfully written piece or is a really nice graphic 
something that's shareable or interactive or really good video piece that could play across platforms, then some real magic happens. Here's the sixth thing that happens here um, when TV and internet collide. A lot of journalists, um, in my experience, and I do this uh, myself sometimes, you, journalistic curiosity is a wonderful thing. A lot of us get into this business because it's, uh, what, a, what a wonderful job to have to be able to go and talk to people who have interesting stories and help them share those stories uh, with the world and to ask really sharp questions. It's a wonderful thing. But we don't always do that in our daily lives. There's a lot of news organizations where different parts of the organization may not talk to each other, or the communication is just kind of crappy. Um, there's a lot of ways that journalists don't provide the, the core skill, that curiosity uh, to their, their life and their career path. And Mizuma, uh, we hired Mizuma about three months ago from the Washington Post. She works on the social team at CNN. She told this great story uh, at Pointer. I was there, I was listening to this group of women leaders talk about uh, kind of their challenges and their opportunities. And Mizuma told this story where she was uh, working on the social team at the Washington Post. There was a reporter who she was talking with, and she said, listen, like it would be just great if you can do a couple things while you're out in the field. Just a couple really easy, simple things on social. And the reporter said, you know, Mizuma, I get it. You don't have to, I know digital is important. You don't have to evangelize to me. I, you know, I, I get it. But you don't understand what it's like when I'm out in the field. I don't have time to be active on social or do all these things. When I come back, we can talk about what I can do, but when I'm out in the field, I'm reporting. And I just, you just really, you don't understand what it's like. And she said, you know what, you're right. I actually don't understand what it's like. I don't go out in the field that much. Could I come with you? And so she went with him. And, and he, I, I'm assuming, uh, this is my own narrative on this, but I think he was probably thinking, this is fantastic, I'm gonna get my own social producer on the story, she's gonna do all this work for me, it's gonna be wonderful. And I think she did some of that, but along the way, she found those little moments that we all have when we're reporting, or frankly, when we're going about our daily lives, where there's just a little moment, a little interesting anecdote that you might wanna share. Something that you might wanna do to tell audiences, I'm working on this story, does anyone have any thoughts or feedback or questions? Little things that you could do just to start to involve audiences and get the word out about a piece of work that you're really interested in. And so she made a convert. And I love, love this story because she could have said, oh, those old curmudgeon print people, they don't get it. But she said, you're right, I don't understand. Can you help me understand? And she used her journalistic curiosity. Uh, the seventh thing that happens is that the act of planning and collaboration, no matter if it's an organization as big as CNN that has thousands of journalists around the world, or if it's as small as a 10-person startup, this becomes a key, key, key priority. And it's a job and a skill set in its own right. Leora heads up the cross-platform news planning team. Didn't exist a year ago. She was doing something different. 
This is a group of people who think about when we have a big story like the loneliest club gun victim story that I just showed you as an example. They think about a pre-game plan, is what we call it, a game on plan and a post-game plan. How do, what do we need to do before the story publishes? Who do we need to share it with? What audiences do we want to get involved with? What kind of things do we need to think about in terms of the art and the language and the design for our mobile and desktop sites? What kind of things do we want to share on social? We're not just going to like tweet it and leave it at that. What kind of things, how do we frame this so this makes an impact with audiences where they are? Do we want to do something with email newsletters? Do we want to do a Vine? What kind of promotions do we want to put on air? Who else needs to know about this that might really be interested? Do we need to talk to the opinion team to line up a few op-eds around this? I can go on and on and on. So the planning and the thinking broadly across all these different technologies, all these different platforms, all these different formats becomes a really key and creative skill set. The eighth thing that happens is your competitive set just becomes infinite. Sometimes people assume that because I'm at CNN that the competitive set is Fox and MSNBC. Uh, I guess, a little bit, sure, but not really. They're not the ones that are keeping me up at night. You've got the old school players that are doing incredible digital work. Got some of them here, The Times, The Post, The BBC, The Guardian, I could go on and on. We try to steal their people as often as we can. We've got the new school, pure digital plays. They're not burdened by this legacy TV thing or this legacy print thing. They're just zoom. They're going right at it. The Buzzfeeds, the Voxes, the HuffPos. There's a, there's a lot of people that are doing, small and large, that are doing some really interesting things. Then you've got new-ish social platforms that you need to think about. We launched a channel on Snapchat. Has anyone seen that? Raise your hand if you've seen CNN's Snapchat channel and Discover. Oh, thank you. Great. Um, that's a whole way, that's a whole different way. For those of you who've seen it, you know the story is edited and sculpted and designed and there's music. It looks a lot different than anything you're going to see on CNN.com, anywhere else on social, anywhere else on TV. It's just a different way of storytelling. It's just a different way of thinking about how we do the work and who we partner with and why. Um, and then sometimes these social platforms, a lot of people use the word frenemy. I don't know, it's just kind of a side note I made here as I was putting this presentation together for you guys. I think frenemy is a real polarizing term. It's more like compartmentor. That's a really sucky word though, so never mind. But you know, this idea that there's a lot of new interesting technologies, um, there's a lot of new places that we can play uh, and grow and reach new audiences and we got to think about those things and think about how they help us grow our business How they help us reach new audiences where that balances what creative journalistic opportunities do they give us? And here's the last thing that I have I could probably think of 50 others, but I wanted to give you a single digit number uh, Of crazy things that happen when the internet and TV collide the data and analytics become core and they're really a proxy for uh, the audience. So knowing what matters to our audience and why. Knowing what's resonating either in real time or over a, a, longer, a longer span of time. Knowing what really matters to our audiences and thinking about that. These pictures, there's three pictures here. That's Atlanta, New York, and DC. We launched in the last year what we call war rooms. 
And everybody has all these tools. It's the real time and less real time, but data that we have on our audiences. Some of you might have heard of Chartbeat or uh, Comscore or Sprinkler or Ello or uh, there's a wide range of, of uh, data and analytics that we put up on these screens that tell us the story's doing really well and it's not on the homepage, but it's getting a lot of traffic from Facebook. Oh, that's interesting. That story's getting a lot of traffic from Facebook. Well, should we jump in? and have a conversation with those audiences? Should we ask the author of the story maybe to do a Facebook Q&A sometime tomorrow to continue the conversation and do follow-ups? That's going to where the audiences are and that's taking advantage of um, knowing where they are and reacting to that as opposed to saying, I've got a great story, I'm gonna publish it on the homepage and walk away and be done, right? So these war rooms are ways that we can have open in our big newsrooms. These are just three of our biggest newsrooms in the US, but in Atlanta, in New York, and in DC, you'll walk in and you'll see this wall of screens. And a lot of, a lot of our teams have this data on their own machines right in front of them. But what's interesting about this is this is out there for any and all to see. So the president of CNN Worldwide, Jeff Zucker, will walk by, you know, he did this last week when he was in Atlanta. I'm sure he's already done it eight times today in New York. We'll walk by and just stare at the war room. We'll stare at the wall and say, oh, that's interesting. You know, did we do that story for TV yet? Uh, have you guys done anything more with that? that you know, it, the conversations just start to happen. So all the way from the top to you know, an intern working on Anderson Cooper's show will walk by and say, oh, that's really interesting. And we start to have these open discussions about data and what our audiences are interested in. And that's really powerful stuff. CNN has a couple of, well, not a couple, we've got 583 news meetings a day, uh, approximately. Um, I'm joking, but uh, maybe not. Uh, we start off the day with two news meetings on the East Coast day. Uh, the digital team meets at 8 a.m. and we start by talking about what worked, really, what worked well yesterday. Let's take a quick look at yesterday. What were the top stories, the top videos? What's trending right now in social? Are there some stories that we just don't know about yet that we need to think about? Uh, we talk about uh, what does London know from the overnight that's working really well on CNN International? What are some stories that are really important and they're not doing as well as we want them to? Let's give some special attention to those stories. And so we start that conversation, that's our first news meeting of the day, and then we go straight into the 9 a.m. CNN worldwide cross-platform big network news meeting. And they start with digital. And usually, I'll lead it off tomorrow morning, uh, I start by telling the whole organization, here's what's working really well on digital platforms this morning. People are really interested in this particular angle on what's gonna happen with the debates tonight. People are really interested in this particular angle on the University of Missouri story. People are really interested in, in, in this story, less so this story on the Russia jet crash. And by the way, we love this one story. It's not doing well, but we're gonna keep on giving it big play, look for new art, look for new treatment, uh, and try to give that a big push. And that helps inform decisions that we make across the entire network. And that's just a really exciting thing. So we're seeing the teams merge, the competencies merge, the job opportunities continue to grow and shift, 
and we're seeing uh, the adjectives fall off of the term journalist because we're all just journalists working in a variety of mediums and a variety of platforms, and it's really exciting. So that's it. Those are my nine things. Thanks. This podcast was produced by the Columbia Alumni Association. Columbia University is a mecca of great ideas in one of the world's greatest cities, and with over 320,000 Columbia alumni who are leaders in every field imaginable and spread across the world, the Columbia Alumni Association brings you the latest musings, updates, and insights to delight the left and right sides of the brain. Learn more about the Columbia Alumni Association at alumni.columbia.edu.